Praise the Lord. Um, I am especially excited this morning to be able to uh, bring you this, this continuing message on praise and worship. And um, if you would open your Bible to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is probably a familiar story to you, but one of the greatest lessons in the Bible about the power of praise, when it's truly applied and what its purpose is, is found in this testimonial, this story. So if you'll turn there and get ready, I'll get ready, and um, give you just a little background. When Israel was invaded by three nations at risk of being wiped out, King Jehoshaphat gathered all the people together, the priests and the people, and they called upon the Lord together. And God sent a prophet, and this is what the prophet said. Verse 15, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow morning, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And then they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, out near where the enemy was camped out. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and to praise him in holy attire as they went before the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were all destroyed. That's praise. That is probably one of the um, best textbook lessons on the purpose of your praise when you praise God. And there's a couple of steps in it that I'd like to just quickly take us through and point out. The prophet spoke to Israel when they were facing annihilation, and he said a couple of things to them. The first thing he said was, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. To put it in other terms, God said, they're not attacking you. They're attacking me. So God got involved. Secondly, 
The Lord said, you will not need to fight. I will do your fighting for you, is what he was saying. Then the third thing God said is he told them, stand firm, hold your position. Stand firm, and then hold your position. Putting that in um, just simple terms, it means take your position and stand without backing down. Plant your feet, take your position, stand, don't back down. And then finally, the Lord spoke through the prophet with this final instruction. He said, go out against them. So he's told them, they're fighting me, not you. I'll be fighting for you. Stand firm, hold your position, and then go out against them. So he said, don't fight, but go out against them. And then that was the end of the prophecy. Now, let me just simply say that true strategic praise, and I use that word strategic deliberately because praising God is so much more than just an emotional response of our joy or, or our appreciation to God when we feel particularly overflowing with appreciation. We praise the Lord. But how many of you know that praise was never intended to be something that you do just when you're really happy and you're overflowing with gratitude about what God's done? That praise really has a strategic, even as you're going to find out in this, as you heard as I read, it even has a tactical value to it. And so praise is not something that is initiated by our emotions or is just a natural overflow of human gratitude. Strategic praise always orients us when we praise God. It always orients us according to what God has spoken. Praise isn't about how you and I feel. Praise is about what God has said. The prophet came at a time when they were facing annihilation, and he said some very important things to them, and they just fell out before God and began to worship him after they heard the word of the Lord. And immediately the Levites jumped up on their feet and stood up and began to praise with a loud voice. So I want you to kind of get that picture in your mind. They were strategically following exactly what God had spoken to them only minutes before in that word. They were standing and planting their feet and refusing to back down. They weren't even on the battlefield. They weren't even in front of the enemy. But they knew that taking the stand happens in praise when we're praising God. That's where that stand takes place. And so praise always begins with what God has spoken. When you and I are praising God and you think, well, I can't think of what to praise God about. Pastor Terry had a great suggestion. Check Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because whatever you read about happened in there to those people is what God wants to do to you. What he's done for others. Jesus was absolutely, absolutely without fail he was absolutely, perfectly consistent. Though the circumstances changed from person to person or according to the needs, he always responded the exact same way. He manifests the intention of the Father. He said, I see the Father working. That's what I'm doing. So whenever you saw Jesus came across a demoniac, 
He didn't say, good, you put yourself in that position. You should have listened to your mom and dad and not gone messing around like that. See this mess you're in? Well, you should, this is what happens, everybody. He didn't make a case in point about them. He said, you unclean spirit, come out. And all of a sudden, the kid was set free. So Jesus consistently showed us what his will is towards us. So praise, praise is always about responding to God about what he has already said. We are always looking for God to say something other than what he's already said. Something more, as though what he has said in his word, what Jesus said in the Gospels, is, um, is not sufficient for our modern day situation. So we're, we, we come together and pray we want to hear from God. It's great to hear from God. But often enough, all God does, when the Holy Spirit really does speak, is quote a verse and repeat back to you what God's already said. And then we feel like, I've heard from God. But we heard from God before. Praise is knowing that God has spoken and praising Him for what He has said. Now, the second thing that happened after God spoke, that was the first. The second thing was that they worshipped, as I said, stood upon their feet and praised God, praised the Lord with a very loud voice. The word that is used for praise when it says they praise the Lord with a very loud voice. Also a little later when it says they went out on the battlefield and they praised the Lord singing, Bless the Lord, His mercy endures forever and ever. That word praise is the Hebrew word halal. H-A-L-A-L. Halal. And it's a fantastic word and we're going to break it down this morning because inside that word, is a revelation to you and I about the strategic power of praise. The word halal, it says, when they stood up with a loud voice and praised, they halal the Lord, means to be clear, to shine, to make a show, boast as if to be clamorously foolish, to rave. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to say the last word for, because the last word truly stands alone and is very different from these first descriptions. But I want you to see that halaling God, praising God, apparently does not take your dignity into account. Praising God really doesn't seem to matter much when it comes to how we look in front of other people, how we sound to other people. It really has to do with the fact that God's worthy to be praised, and if we want to see victory, if we want to see a breakthrough, a miracle, we need to praise. So it's God's worthiness and our need. Strategic praise has little to no or nothing to do with you not appearing foolish to other people. If you are worried about what other people think, you won't halal, you won't praise God, except within the boundaries of whatever your church has prescribed as a dignified form of praise. We always get nervous in religious circles when somebody jumps out of the line. Somebody, you know, jumps up, starts praising God, or gets a little louder than everybody else. We love that anonymity. Uh, I would just stop at this point and say, you might remember the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 when um, Paul is writing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, tongues, interpretation, working of miracles, gifts of healing, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gift of uh, faith. And he's talking about the supernatural manifestation of the Spirit. 
And he says, let all things be done decently and in order. And we tend to emphasize that decency and order as though that's what God wants. He's not going to bother even coming in. If you've got a sloppy service, he wants decency and in order. But that's not what the Holy Spirit had Paul write. Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. So you don't even begin to have decency. And from heaven's perspective, you don't have order if all things, meaning the things of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, aren't being done. So you can have a church service and there's not a single manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but they follow the songs, the liturgy, everything. People filed in, filed out. Everyone walked away. The pastor and people involved in the service said, oh, this was just wonderful today because everything was orderly. But when heaven looks at it, heaven says there was nothing decent about that. In fact, there was nothing that I would recognize, God says, as order, because you haven't ordered anything unless signs and wonders, the power and presence of God, those manifestations of the Spirit. That's what church ought to be about. When we gather together, Jesus never walked into a house without disrupting everything. Whatever the devil had going on in people's lives, whatever ruts, which is nothing more than a grave with the ends kicked out, Whatever ruts they were living in, when Jesus walked in, he stirred it up. So if you're hearing me today, I'm talking about praise that's going to push you beyond your comfort zone, take you out of your personal limits. And it's, it's wonderful that the root of this word means to be clear or to shine. The Bible says we're to shine forth his glory. We're in 1 Peter 2.9. Um, that we are royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation, that we should shine forth or show forth the glory of the Lord. And so this is about boastfully, clamorously, foolishly raving about God. That's what praise is. So the goal of praise is not to quote some Bible verses and stay dignified about it, but to allow yourself to get to the point where you're just beside yourself. And, and the only thing that matters in what you're doing in that moment when you're praising is the praise that you're praising the Lord with. So the definition, I've put it in my own little definition. It's a little bit wordy, but it kind of pulls it all together. So I'd like to read you this sentence. Oh, you know what? Before I do, I did say there was another word, didn't I? In fact, it is the foundation of this message. And that is the word stultify. How many of you know what the word stultify means? We don't really use it too much anymore. A couple of you. All right. Look it up. Google it. It's a phenomenal word. The word to stultify literally means, um, it, it means to take the wind out of someone's sails, to diminish them, to... Um, discourage them. If you were stultified, you would fall silent. You wouldn't be able to speak. You wouldn't be able to say anything. You would have no confidence. You would be drawn in within yourself and diminished and broken down in your own, in your own um, estimation. So stultifying. Well, how can praise that exalts and glorifies the Lord, 
have the meaning of stultifying or stultification, I call it. Matter of fact, that's the title I gave to the message this morning, stultification. Yeah, I think God's called all of us to the ministry of stultification. Because when we praise God, we are stultifying the devil. We are taking the wind out of his sails. As we lift up Jesus Christ, we discourage Satan. We discourage the enemy. We bind him. And I'll tell you from the Old to the New Testament, from one end to the other, the Bible is filled with evidence that praise not only exalts the Lord, but it has a strategic and tactical purpose, and that is to bind and stultify the devil. Haven't you ever had a week or a month or even a day in your life when everything fell apart? It just was an awful day. And you thought, if I could just find the devil to get my hands around his neck, if I could just find his switch to turn him off, he just keeps coming at me through the car breaking down and, uh, and uh, now this, this bill thing's happening and now all three kids are sick and uh, I just lost my job and you start feeling like Job. And in Job's case, it really was the devil behind it all. He was pulling all those strings and doing it all. And so... There's definitely been times when you wished you could stultify Satan. And the devil doesn't come at us personally. He camouflages himself in the routine of everyday life. Because in this present world, the world is under the curse of having fallen out of fellowship with God. Adam traded the world for a piece of fruit. And, you know, when Noah and his sons were back on dry land after the waters receded, you can read it in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. God said to Noah almost the same thing that he said to Adam. He said to Noah's sons, multiply and replenish the earth. But you know what he left out that he said to Adam, but he didn't say to Noah? When you read it, you'll notice he did not say, have authority and rule over the earth. Have dominion. The dominion that God gave Adam was lost when he turned it over to Satan. Who's got that dominion now? Satan has it. Jesus, in the 14th chapter of the, the letter to John, called the devil the prince of this world because he has Adam's authority. So we live in a world where God has redeemed us, spirit, soul, and body, but he's left us in a world, at least for the present time, that is under the dominion of the prince of darkness, the power of darkness. And so we have to deal with the, with the devil. All those flat tires, all of those circumstances, the sicknesses, all the different things that we have allowed ourselves to live with, Adam never lived with any of that stuff. And it was never God's will, his perfect will, that we sh the human race should end up in that state. So all of these things that we have learned to endure and put up with are avenues by which Satan comes at us. And when we are redeemed and Jesus becomes Lord of our life, God doesn't automatically take that authority or that dominion that the enemy has over the world away regarding you. Instead, we're left in a world where we have to fight the fight of faith 
and we have to do exactly what the prophet said to Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel. We need to praise God with a strategic praise that will assert his kingdom, his will to be done. So the de my definition of halal is to praise God so demonstrably that his light shines through with such assertive clarity that the devil is discouraged, diminished, and deflated by it. Our praise shouldn't stop until the devil's diminished, discouraged, and deflated. You may not feel in your emotions when you're praising God, particularly when you least feel like praising God. When the devil's been jumping up and down on your last nerve and you stop just before you go off the deep end and you say, I, I'm going to take that last nerve and praise God with it. When you praise God with your last nerve, it doesn't sound like when we praise God in church. It sounds actually pretty pathetic. Oh, Lord, I just thank you and praise you. Your word says, and you start quoting the scriptures that you remember. Lord, I just thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And you might not sound too convincing, might not sound too powerful, but you are shaking pillars in the spirit realm. When you, with your heart and with faith in your heart, begin to praise God for what he has said in his word, especially when everything else has been unleashed against you, you are having a profound, stultifying effect on the prince of darkness. So finally, the third thing that, um, that happened in this story with Jehoshaphat was that the Bible says they did do exactly what God said, and they went out against the enemy, and they, they went to this place called Tekoa, and Jehoshaphat, the Bible says, took counsel with the people. And I, you know, I read that and I thought, well, you, when we use the term counsel, we, we think, well, everyone sits down and kind of chews the fat and kicks the can around and everyone throws their opinions out and then the committee forms a decision based on the opinion that everybody agrees to. But when the Bible says that he took counsel with the people and then when he was done taking counsel, he appointed certain singers to get out in front of the soldiers, march out onto the battlefield, shouting, raving, clamorously being foolish, praising their God as they faced the Moabites, Ammonites, and the soldiers of Mount Seir. That was their counsel. And so when, when Jehoshaphat took counsel with the people, he wasn't polling them for opinions. What counsel meant in this context was they were making a decision to act upon what the prophet said and to praise God. That was the only option for them. There was no need to have an opinion. God wasn't looking for any opinions. God said, this is my fight, but you're going to go out and represent me so I want you to go out, not threatening them with your weapons, but I want you to go before them praising me. And then just stand still and watch the salvation of God. Isn't that awesome? So that is God's counsel. 
If we did more counsel that resulted in us praising God according to the word, we'd do a lot less of that $150 an hour type counseling that, that we have to do. I'm not putting it down. I'm just simply saying, if you want to see the salvation of God, if you want to see the miraculous, go back to what the word says and begin to praise God for what he has said in his word. You know, I love the fact that God said, take your position and stand without backing down. Because for years I used to read that and I thought he was talking to the praisers that were in front of the army and he was trying to bolster them. Because that's what God said, take your position, stand, don't back down. So God was saying, when you're out in front of the enemy, just, you know, set your face and, and uh, steal your nerves. But that really wasn't what he was saying at all. In fact, the taking of the position and the standing of the ground happened the day before when they jumped to their feet and began to praise God. You see, taking your position and standing your ground without backing down isn't what you do while you're battling with the enemy. It's what you do while you're praising God. Because your praise before God determines your stand before the enemy. If you don't take a stand in praise, you're not going to stand before the enemy and you will back down under the force of Satan's trials in your life. So when God says, stand firm and don't back down, he's saying, stand before me and praise me. Because when, the, when we practice that halal in our life, we're executing the power of the blood covenant. When we are speaking God's word and praising him for what he has said and what he's done, we are calling upon that blood covenant he ratified with us between himself and Jesus. We are speaking those things that God has spoken. You know, the Bible says, God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my comforter, my shepherd. We boldly say because God has already said. That's where our boldness, that's where the power of our speaking comes from. I'm going to take the last few minutes of this message and just share one thought with you, and that is, it's a warning. Beware of the religious spirit always in the world and really pretty heavily planted in church and religious circles. Beware of the religious spirit that resists halal, that resists praise. Think about it. If the devil knows that to praise God truly, rather than just singing songs and parroting stuff, but to really truly praise God, if the devil knows it has an absolute stultifying effect, there's not a thing he can do about it. It's kryptonite to Satan. When you praise God from your heart, whether there's music playing, anyone with you, or you're all by yourself, doesn't matter. You lift up Jesus. You begin to praise him. You popped the can on the kryptonite and put it right under the devil's nose. He cannot stand before the praise of God. While you're praising God, the power of the blood covenant is coming out all around you. And the battle is being fought right then. And 
If it's the next day you have to go see the lawyer or stand before the judge, the next day you've got to deal with the financial officer, the next day you've got to take your kids to the hospital, you think that's the battle. No, the battle is right here when you hear what God has spoken to you. Are you going to stand and fight the fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life? The fight of faith isn't kicking the devil in the gut and knocking his teeth out. The fight of faith is between you and God, not between you and the devil. So the fight of faith is what you fight when you jump to your feet and praise God. And I love the fact that they jumped on their feet and praised God. Because to me, that posture shows something. It's appropriate to be on your face and, and humbling yourself. When we get on our knees and get on our face, we are humbling ourselves before the awesome, holy God. We're not saying necessarily I'm unworthy and... Uh, because we appreciate the fact the blood of Jesus has made us righteous before him. But it, it is us humbling ourselves because we're thinking about our shortcomings and our weaknesses. But when it comes to praise, you get up off your face and you jump to your feet. Because you are now bigger than yourself. You are that proclamation of the covenant. You are proclaiming what God has said. And so you need to take that posture. That's why praise is loud. That's why praise is uh, aggressive. That's why praise is assertive. That's why there's a certain element of volume involved with praise. Beware of the religious spirit that wants to throw a wet blanket on that. And you know, our churches, and even ours, are, have closets full of those wet blankets because we've got leaders that are freaked out of their mind that somebody is going to disrupt the service and the pastor's going to get nervous and he's not going to know what to say or do. So we've got to keep everything, you know. And if you can keep people under this religious dominating bondage that, you know, you don't have to yell. You don't have to raise your voice. God's not deaf. But I've come to tell you this morning, he's not nervous either. So you raise your voice all you're not, you're not going to make Jesus nervous. Praise has an assertiveness to it. So I love that they stood up on their feet. Now, this analogy I want to make with this closing thought is, that praise has that stultifying effect while at the same time exalting the Lord. It is strategically cutting the legs out from under Satan. And I want to use Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem as an illustration. As Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, the Bible says that the children started shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were having a fit. And they ordered Jesus to stop those children. He said, you make them shut up. Stop shouting out those praises. And Jesus quoted Psalm 8, verse 2, in his reproof or correction back to the Pharisees because he absolutely refused their, their, their uh, request, and he took his position 
in Psalm 8, 2, and he said to them, Have you never read out of the mouth of children and nursing infants, you have prepared praise for yourself? Other translations say you have, you have perfected praise for yourself. Both are appropriate. You've perfected praise. You've prepared praise. So the children are shouting out Hosanna, and um, the Pharisees are having a fit. They want it to stop. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going to make them stop. Did you never read? The scripture says, out of the mouth of children, you have called for praise. You have perfected praise. Well, they certainly knew that verse. But the fact is that when that verse was written in Hebrews, the word praise was not used. The word that was used was strength. Out of the mouth of babes, you have perfected strength. And so I'm sure that all up until the time when Jesus came, everybody in Israel that knew the scriptures knew that God had ordained strength for them. But they'd lived generation after generation, falling down, being weak, and lacking in strength. They would build up uh, a head of steam. They'd come to a level of strength. And then somehow it would get away from them and they would crumble back down again. But God had said, God has perfected and called for strength. And I'm sure they must have thought, Where's God going to get this strength come from? And Jesus interpreted Psalm 8 and verse 2 when he answered the Pharisees when they demanded the children stop praising me. He said, I'm not going to stop them from praising God, from praising me. Have you not read out of the mouth of babes? And I'm sure they're thinking, you've ordained strength. And he calls it praise. Because in the mind of God, that's where the strength comes from. It's from praising God. God knew back when he gave David that psalm, that out of the mouth of babes, even babes, they didn't, you didn't have to have a degree. You didn't have to be a theologian. You, you could have a limited vocabulary. You could have a half foolish mind. But if you are genuinely praising and lifting up God, strength will come forth. God's ordained strength in praise. And let me tell you, the devil will put up with almost any kind of religious activity in church, but he fights praise more than anything else. Amen. You want to see a church get all dialed up, start talking about praise. And people have got all kinds of, come out of the woodwork, they got all kinds of feelings about it, they got all kinds of thoughts about it. There is a religious spirit and it gets into us. It gets in. It, I've had that, that thing come upon me, and I know you have too. Don't be a liar and say you haven't this morning. We've all been in that place where somebody's praising God. And I'm not talking about somebody going nuts and being out of order. They're just nutty and operating under a wrong spirit. Although it makes me wonder the clamorously foolish and raving part. You know, maybe sometimes those were the crazy deacon takes a running fit and runs around the church hollering and you think, well, what is that? That's not glorifying God. How do you know it's not glorifying God? He may be running around the church saying, his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. His wife may have just come down with cancer and he's running and praising God. He's taking his stand. So the fact is that I'm sure, just like me, there have been times when there was some praise going on and I thought, I wish they'd tone it down. Or, um, you know, there is a kind of spirit that comes over us, that quiets us down, simmers us down. 
How many times have you left church and said, I wished I'd have just jumped up and praised God. Oh, I wished I'd have just lifted up my voice. But when it comes time to do it, you can't bring yourself to do it. There's a, there's a spiritual resistance against praise. Why? Because it is God's nuclear weapon against the enemy. And the devil knows it. The devil knows that praise will bind him, discourage him, stultify him. You get the general idea. Praise the Lord. So Jesus clarified exactly how God establishes strength, and that is by praising the Lord. So, stultifying praise. Hallelujah. Let's start practicing it this week. Maybe in your devotional time or whatever, just lift your voice. If you get an hour alone in your house or 20 minutes or whatever, and you're alone, it, you know, we bring into our corporate worship our practices from our private worship. But admittedly, corporate worship is more difficult than private worship because we've got to interlock and interface with everybody else. And that's where the problems start to arise. But we need to praise the Lord. That's why we need to be in one accord. Because when it comes time to jump up on our feet and praise God, we ought to all be doing it together, all in one accord. And that's why that's so important. I'll close with this verse. It's metaphoric. Don't take it, uh, some of the things that are said in here are pretty dramatic. They're meant for us as a spiritual application. Remember that the Bible says in Ephesians in the New Testament, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Keep that in mind when I read this to you. Psalm 149. Let God's people be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. We're not binding any kings or nobles. What are we binding? Powers and principalities and spiritual structures. To execute upon them the judgment written for this honor, have all his saints praise the Lord. Good. That is your honor, saint of God, child of God, your honor to execute the Lord's kingdom come, will be done, vengeance upon the enemy. Hallelujah. Close your Bible, stand with me this morning.